0: It's nobody's fault, really. I mean, who knew the streets were so icy? Mary twirled her long black scarf around her neck, capturing the edges of her brunette curls in its grasp as she sat in the driver's seat of the moving van she had driven all day from Piedmont, Oklahoma to Colorado Springs, and even more precisely, old Colorado City. And who knew there'd be a storm drain right there? She pulled her red wool pea coat tighter around her. She could already feel the color draining out of her fingers inside her black fuzzy mittens. She turned her head to address the howling feline in the cat carrier next to her on the seat. And I certainly never expected to slip and throw my purse in the air. She pulled off a mitten and tried to see how white her fingers had gotten with the help of a nearby street light. Darn it, this is not good. She rubbed the cat nose, poking through a hole in the side of the carrier for a moment before slipping her mitten back on. Tucking her hands under her arms, she closed her eyes and tried to come up with a solution. Everything that could help her get into her new house was down that drain. Her house key, the van key, her phone, her money, her credit cards. Hit by a sudden revelation, she pounded the steering wheel. What idiots we are! Why do we keep everything in one place? How ridiculous is that? We might know at some point in our lives we would lose it. She turned back to the orange, long-haired tabby, who was now trying to scratch her way through the bottom of her plastic prison. Talk about putting all your eggs in one basket! "'I should have spread things out a bit. "'Keys in my pocket, money in my boot, phone in my bra. "'She had a vision of boob-dialing somebody inadvertently "'and decided her bra was not a good place for a phone. "'She pictured herself with a wide utility belt like Batman "'with all her accessories handy. "'Of course,' she conceded, "'if I carried a huge bag like my mother, "'it would never have fit in the storm drain. "'Mary had always felt the need "'to make things fit together more compactly, "'more simplistically.' and she silently cursed her love of small things. Glancing at the little house sitting silent and dark, she shivered from cold exhaustion and fear. Colorado Springs had seemed like the answer to her prayers, a place to finally step firmly onto a path that was right for her. But losing all forms of money, communication, and mobility in the first minute hardly seemed like a good sign. She gave a little moan as her toes started to go numb in her knee-high snow boots, The heater in the rental truck had quit about a half hour before reaching the city. She really didn't want to start knocking on doors, but she also knew she was already too cold to spend much more time outside. Staring into the night, she prayed, "'God, this isn't a real good start here in this new place, but I'd appreciate it if you could show me which door to knock on. You know, one that doesn't house a rapist or a serial killer. Please, God, show me where the angels live.' The porch light popped on in the large house that rose to three stories of Victorian splendor next to her small enough to be called a cottage rental. Mary blinked. Well, Tony, I guess that's the one. She patted the caterwauling box beside her, opened the truck door, and stepped gingerly down to the icy street. There wasn't much snow left on the ground, and thankfully the sidewalks had been scooped, but after her near fall she had suspected the soles of her new snow boots may be inadequate for the task. She reduced her usual springy step to a shuffle that would have rivaled her ninety-year-old grandmother for speed. The fact that she could barely feel her feet didn't help either. Climbing carefully up the porch steps, the front door suddenly opened. Mary got a glimpse of a young man with blonde, disheveled hair atop an almost cherubic face. Angels, indeed. Just before his angelic countenance turned to one of horror, and Mary found herself drowning in a face full of water— Sputtering, she stumbled back down the stairs to sit hard in a small pile of scooped snow. "'Oh, my gosh!' The young man seemed frozen for a second, then quickly tiptoed barefoot across the porch, setting the kettle he'd been holding on an Adirondack chair on the way. Rushing down the stairs, he reached for her hand. "'I'm so sorry. Are you all right?' In a state of shock, Mary ignored the question and his offer of a hand up, wiping her face with her mittens. The angel that Mary now felt must be of the fallen variety, came behind her and slipped his hands under her arms, hefting her to her feet. She winced at the pain in her behind and tried to wipe the clinging water already turning to ice off the front of her coat with her sopping mittens as a voice boomed out of the still-open door. "'Ben, were you raised in a barn? We can't heat all of the outdoors, you know!' Another angelic face appeared atop a taller male with short, dark hair gelled to tousled urban male perfection. His scowl melted into confusion as he took in the scene of a wet-haired woman being helped up the stairs. He rushed forward, and Mary noted that he, too, was barefoot. "'Ben, you idiot! I didn't see her until it was too late!'